Welcome back to Murder Mondays with me, your host, Nicole Simmons. On today's episode, you'll hear our special guest, D. Albritton, talking about his years in CCI. The footage from this meeting is real and unfiltered. It will sound a little different from a studio recording. My time with D. was extremely educational. I hope you enjoy his stories as much as I did. My name is D. Albritton, first name D-E-E, Albritton. I worked for the Department of Corrections, and, and at the time that we were talking about, I worked in CB2, cell block 2. We had death row, and we had uh, half of the cell block was for the uh, SSR, substantial weighted security risk. In other words, that supposedly the 50 worst inmates in the South Carolina prison. And I worked in there. And you were a guard. I was a correctional officer at that time. Later, I made sergeant and I made lieutenant while I was there. And then I resigned. Were you personally ever afraid of Pee Wee? Not afraid. Uh, you had to be very careful. You know, in there, you wasn't worried about nothing. If you had to carry him to a doctor, like sometimes we had to carry him to Baptist Hospital or Richmond Memorial, you had to really be careful and make sure you had him restrained because Pee Wee told me one time that this was his exact words, I like you, Mr. Albritton, but make sure you got me restrained good because if I see a chance that I can escape and I got to kill you to do it, I'll do it. And that was his exact words at that time. That's back a long time ago. <laughs> Wow. Yep. So he, like you or not, his life was worth more than yours. Yes. Pee Wee had no conscience. Now doesn't that sound familiar? In a previous episode, we discussed how Gaskins brutally murdered someone and then went home and had a bloody steak. A true man with no conscience. Here is Mr. Albritton talking about Tyner's death. Was he feared in jail among the other prisoners and guards? While he was on death row, I don't think. They were very cautious of him. But the general population, which was inmates out in the prison, they wasn't scared of him while he was on death row because he couldn't get to it. Do you know how he was able to get stuff into the jail so... It seemed like so easily, like the the C4 explosives and, and stuff to make a bomb. Somebody brought it to him because, and that come from uh, correction officers not doing their job. Because if, uh, that's, still, that, that's another example of like drugs. How did they get marijuana, cigarettes? guns, how does all that get into prison? That comes from the correction officers not doing a very good job. Gotcha. Now, was Pee Wee locked up like 24-7 or was he let out at all ever during the day? Um, Normally, they were locked up 23 hours out of the 24. And and uh, we had to take them out of their cell and put them on the rec field, and they got an hour of recreation. And then when they came in, they got to take a shower. 
But uh, Pee Wee was pretty well behaved. I'd say 85, 90% of the time. Most of the guys on death row were well behaved because they were trying to get their death sentence overturned to get life and get off of that death sentence. But no, they wasn't locked up 24-7 because you, they, you had to put them on a wreck field and, and let them have an hour of recreation. Now, that hour of recreation sometimes was pretty strict. Sometimes we would put them on that wreck field by themselves. They, they couldn't interact with the other inmates. Yeah, I was going to ask and you. And sometimes uh, he was out there with a bunch of people. But it was always death row inmates that he was with. It was never with the other inmates. And he was kept segregated away from the other inmates that was in their own death row. Would you say that the the building, death row and all, was was it a like a dungeon? Was it dark? Was it No, it wasn't dark. They had plenty of lights. It was very lit up. Uh it was small. Um there's an old saying that when they electrocuted somebody all the lights in the main part of the system the prison would dim, but that ain't that ain't true. Uh, I was there when they electrocuted somebody, and they did not dim, cause they was on a separate power source, and that's probably why. I don't know, yeah. but I've never seen no lights dim. Most people who have heard of Pee Wee and know much about him knows about his daughter Shirley. She is the only child he supposedly ever claimed. After research, I found a son. I was so excited when Mr. D started talking about it. That helped me confirm my research. Did he ever have any visitors? Oh, yeah. Um, who was that? I think it was, his, I, th I want to say his daughter come in from Florence. And at one time, his son came in till he got in trouble. And after I got promoted to lieutenant and went to Manning Correctional Institution, you know, his son got locked up, and we had him at Manning because he made threats against the prosecutor, and he put he called jail time. He got mad one time, and I told I brought him into my office. I was a lieutenant, and I told him, I said, "You sit right there for a minute." And I got on the phone and I called CCI to death row and talked to a friend of mine. And I said, I want you to go get Pee Wee and bring him down to the phone. And he put Pee Wee on the phone and I explained what was going on with his son. And Pee Wee told me, he said, Mr. Albritton, let me talk to him. And it was Donald. And Pee Wee got on the phone with him and Pee Wee told him, he said, I ju I'm going to tell Mr. Albritton if you give him any more problems for him to beat, and I'm going to use the exact words he told me, to beat your damn ass. And I and he told his son that. And uh, I didn't have no more problems out of his son. Here is retired Sheriff Billy Barnes, also confirming Pee Wee's son. He had a son that 
used to stay in trouble all the time, too. And uh, we did deal with him before Peary's electrocution because we received word that uh, he and some of his friends were planning to kidnap the solicitor in Columbia, Sister Harpoogian at the time. They were planning on kidnapping his family to trade his family to get Peary out of jail. And of course we put him in jail until after Peary was electrocuted. Now, did you ever meet any of Pee Wee's? Well, clearly you met his son over at Northern. Yeah, <laughs> I met his daughter. Do you have any conversation with them, or what? What were they like? The son was a young. I'm gonna say young jitterbug. Uh, he was probably seventeen to twenty years old. He was a young kid when he come to Manning. Uh, his daughter was on up in her twenties. I talked to him, but I couldn't tell you the conversations we had. Uh, when those people were on visitation and as correction officers, it wasn't just Pee Wee that was in there. Normally there was two or three other inmates in the death row visiting area that uh, when they all came in there. Um, did you ever see or feel that the kids were uh, affected by his behavior? I didn't, but you know, I think they came in there on a positive approach trying to make their dad feel good. They didn't uh, They didn't come out with a hangdog look or we feel sorry for you. Uh, they, were, they, they tried to give a, a good upbeat for him. Because in the end, that's still their daddy. That's right. In the bottom line, it was their daddy. Out of all the, the reading and research I've done, it, it says that Pee-wee only ever claimed his daughter. If you Google Pee-wee Gaskins' kids, the only person you will find is Shirley Gaskins. Yeah, but he did have that son. And I don't know why he never claimed him. I don't either. I, I mean, most men are happy to have a son. Oh, yeah, you're like, right. You know, but he definitely claimed him when, when he was over at Manning because I had him on the phone with his son, and he told him, I'm going to have Mr. Albritton you're, what it was, his son was running around the prison telling everybody, I'll get my daddy. And his son let everybody know that Pee-wee was his daddy. So, yeah, Pee-wee, uh, he knew that was his son. He told me about, that's when he got, when the Supreme Court overturned death row, and he got off of, he got out of all of them and got off death row. I believe this was in the late 70s, I think. 77 ish? Something like that. And Pee Wee was walking out in the yard, what they call the yard. And one of the inmates walked by on his way 
he was being released from prison and he spit and hit Pee Wee with it. And Pee Wee stopped him and the guy looked at him and said, you're pulling life in prison. No, you're on death row. I ain't never got to worry about you no more or something to that effect. And I guess it was like three or four years later, Pee Wee got out. Remember, remember, he got out of prison and went back to Sumter, and he was riding downtown Sumter on a hearse. And he pulled up to a red light, and lo and behold, there was that inmate in the car with another guy. And Pee Wee pulled up next to him, picked up a shotgun and leaned over and shot and killed a guy. And Pee Wee said, damn it, I hit the wrong man. And talking about earlier, I don't, I have no idea how he got that C4 in that prison. I heard rumors that a correction officer brought it. I don't believe that. Cause I don't think a correction officer would have been stupid enough to done that. Cause Whoever it was, it would have come out if it had been a correction officer. And he would have got big time. Uh, I believe another inmate brought it in and a pack of cigarettes or something like that. You know, C4, it don't take much. I was in the military and I've, I've, I've been around it a lot. Most of the time, the correction officer, we would go to the canteen and buy our coffee but sometimes that some of the inmates would uh, sell coffee and they the department of correction would allow them a coffee pot and peewee had one and we would give uh you know you got big styrofoam cups and i'd go in every morning and and uh, i was a sergeant at that time and when I'd go in, I'd walk in and put my notebook and everything in the office, and then I would make my rounds up and down the tiers, all six tiers, three of them being death row. There was three levels. And then on the other side of it was where the SSRs were, and we would, we would just go in and make a general check of everybody that was in there before you even started your shift. And when I would get the peewee, peewee knew what time I come in, and peewee would set me a cup of coffee on the on his bar, and I would get it. And he would fix my coffee every morning. Yep. You were never afraid. No, of I wasn't afraid because he was doing his best to get his sentence commuted to life. Yep. Now he did get mad one time at a at an inmate. I don't know if it's probably in the, it's probably documented. Uh, one of the inmates, Pee Wee would give credit to inmates. And, you know, all inmates got paid every two weeks from the prison system. Some of them got 8 or $10 a week. Some of them got $12. Depends on their status. 
And there was one guy that was getting coffee on credit from Pee Wee. And when they let him out to go on the recreation field, this was those uh, SSRs. And Pee hollered at him. At that time, Pee Wee's cell was right directly in front of the door where they went out on the recreation field. And Pee Wee asked him, said, uh, what you going to do about that money you owe me? You got paid this morning. And the guy told Pee Wee, the hell with you. They ain't going to let you out. You can't do nothing to me. I ain't paying you nothing. But he used a little stronger words than that. Well, we was over in the office. There was a correction officer standing there and heard everything. They let the guy go on out on the recreation field. And because of the type of inmate they are, when they came in, they had to come in one at a time, strip down naked, hold the hands up, spread the legs, and then turn around. And then the officer would reach in and handcuff his hands behind him and then put him in the shower. Well, that guy came in. Now, Pee Wee's coffee pot had tore up. The thermostat tore up. So Pee Wee wired it direct. So that means that it didn't get 130 degrees, you know, hot for coffee. It would get 200 degrees. And Pee Wee waited till that guy came in. And when that guy stood up and turned around to face the correction officer was standing there to look at him. Pee Wee grabbed that 30 pot percolator full of hot 200 degree weather and swung it through that wire cage right on his thumb and groin area. And when they took that guy out to go to the emergency room to the hospital, he had skin hanging off of him where it just peeled off of it. They had to send, take him to the burn center at Richmond Memorial Hospital. That guy liked to die. Nobody else cheated him out of money. Sometimes he had the best disposition. You know, he would talk to you. You wouldn't even think that he would kill anybody. Because he was a little bitty guy and he talked just as nice to you. He, he drew envelopes and he do uh I don't know, you know, the running bear and what's it what's running bears? Little white dove. Was that who it was? You remember the Indian running bear? Love a little white dove. Anyway, it had a little Indian guy and, 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 and a little Indian maiden. And uh he would draw pictures on envelopes, and he would give them away. I don't know if my daughter and my son still got those, but he gave me, he would give them in a set, in a series. And I think there was like five to seven of them in a series, and he gave them to me to give my daughter and my son, and he told my son, he wrote my son a letter. And told my son, said, son, your dad is a good man. Don't never 
do something to wind up in here like me. Now, I'm quite sure I'm not the only person that he did that for, but he did write my son a letter. Did y'all ever, like, for him to know you had a son and stuff, y'all just, sometimes y'all just sat down and talked? We just talked, and, you know, we made our way up and down to tears. A lot of times, you know, they locked in the cells all the time. They couldn't come out, and, and you had to walk. All day, we, we, we patrolled those, that rope of sails, and there was 10 sails on a tier, and you would walk up and down, and you'd stop and lean on the bars, and you'd talk to them. I've talked to uh, Larry Jean Bell. I was just about to ask you, that, yep. that just popped in my head, were you working there? Oh, yeah, Larry Jean Bell. Now, Larry Jean Bell was not as outgoing as Pee-wee. He did not have the same disposition that Pee-wee had. He was very quiet and didn't hardly talk to anybody. Very seldom could you get anything out of Larry Jean. Far as I know to this day, I've never heard Larry Jean admit to doing anything. I don't know. He never admitted it to me. All the officers were very careful of. To me, Larry Jean Bell was sneaky. He was a sneaky individual. And we didn't trust him. Today's episode was a little different, and I hope you enjoyed it. Dee was so nice to talk with, a veteran himself. He had so many stories to tell me. It's always interesting hearing others' views and stories and not just what the media puts out. I will be reaching back out to see if I can get my hands on a copy of those letters and drawings. I was later told he sold his envelope drawings for $15 a set to make money in the prison. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Murder Mondays with me, your host, Nicole. As I'm traveling and interviewing for this case, I am doing my best to bring you new info as well. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, and donations for travel and research can be made via Venmo, to Nicole Simmons 87. Thanks and catch you next time.